Great to see you tonight, hungry on Sunday night, that's wonderful. Thanks for coming this morning, last night, and, and yesterday morning. I, I love it that we have se- several meetings. You don't have to get everything into one service, and there's no pressure. Never any pressure, but you know, there's always a time constraint, unless we just preach for 10 hours and everybody's sound asleep, and that's the best nap they've ever had. <laughs> but uh, I, I sure love your pastors. I love how crazy they are, and I can blame my craziness on being around them, because I can get around your pastor, and it starts. I don't even have to think about it. And I'm, I'm doing, like I said yesterday, I'm subduing it as much as I possibly can. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just good to have fun obeying God. I mean, uh, life wasn't meant to go through just, you know, boring. It's supposed to be exciting. And uh, I like that you talk about my stuff. I have these T-shirts. That they, they say, Jesus is coming. Look busy. Like, like, like you can fake it. You know, like, no, you can't fake it. And uh, they have the signs on the back of them. There's about five different, no, about seven different styles. But the signs are on the back, and uh, the, there's 20 signs. I l- l- shortened it. The last sign is that Stephen Tyler, Aerosmith's lead singer, got saved. So I said, that's a sign of the coming of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know who led him to the Lord was, uh, what was the guy's name? Lenny Kravitz, the guitar player. So you wouldn't think of Lenny Kravitz being a Lenny Kravitz the evangelist. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know what he told him? This was, in, this was in Rolling Stone magazine. He said, you know, you have money, you have cars, but you have no peace. He said, Jesus is your peace. Hallelujah. So he gave his life to the Lord. I don't know if you noticed when he was on, what's that show? Uh, oh, where they get new uh, talent on American Idol. He, was, he still cussed a lot, but there was a tender side to him showing people about things would get his heart when they would sing. It's because he had just given his life to the Lord. So... It's amazing. God wants to get everybody. There's nobody left out. He wants them to go to heaven. Praise the Lord. What a reunion we're about to have. We talked about this last night. We're about to be caught up. All your loved ones that you have gone on home. What a grand reunion that's going to be to see them. Praise the Lord. And then this morning we talked about the signs of the coming. I know there's a, a lot. and uh, uh, there, It's just overwhelming how blatant it is uh, that we're that close. But it is, it is reality. I mean, you almost have to pinch yourself and go, is this really happening right now? It really is. So I like Pastor Craig and Pastor Jennifer's thought pattern to be all in. As close as we see that it is, let's respond. That's extremely healthy. And I know God's got so much stuff you guys are doing. And I laugh about thinking about the different things you're doing. And I always come back to this because I hear the Holy Ghost say it. There's some really odd and unusual things coming for you. And I feel that every time I'm standing here. I haven't never felt that before. But it's going to shock you how different it is. You're going to go, what in the world is this? So... I don't think it's the Spider-Man uniform. I don't think it's that. I say that just because the Lord likes to mess with you a little bit. But you know what the Lord said to me one time? Listen to how funny, fun he is. He told me years ago, I was in Michigan preaching. This is probably 35 years ago. He said, follow. I heard it loud and clear. He said, follow your fathers in the faith. And my ears perked up. He said, uh, he said Kenneth Hagin, John Osteen, and George Hamilton. I said, George Hamilton? George Hamilton's that tan actor. And I was like, follow George Hamilton? Because I like to be in the sun. I work out when I'm home. I work outside. The Lord was messing with me. <laughs> See, it's okay. He, he, he's normal. Yes, I mean, he tolerates all of us. Come on. He has to be relatively normal. Come on. He has to grade with pretty much a curve or we'd all be in trouble. Come on. Amen. So I'm excited about tonight. You know, last, the first service was on the, the millennial reign of Christ. You don't hear much preaching on that. And there, I didn't get into real depth. But man, it's wonderful to see your future. You have great things ahead, wonderful things ahead. Remember, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when you see all these things that are coming for you, it just gets your heart excited. Not sick, but excited. Hallelujah. And if, you, if you're depressed or whatever, and you've been oppressed or whatever, you're thinking on the wrong things. And I'll just tell you what you're thinking on. You're thinking on yourself. 
If you, if you get your mind off yourself, you get out of that, that bondage. Amen. Because he was tormented mentally, so we don't have to be. I mean, those crown of thorns were a, a visible representation of being chastised. That's literally being screamed at. He was screamed at. Uh, the Bible says when Jesus was in the heart of the earth in Psalms, he was being stung by demons. But the Bible says, you know what he said while they were stinging him? He said, I'll dwell in the land of the living forever. He called those things that be not as though they were. He said, he's in hell being stung by demons. And he said, I'll dwell in the land of the living forever. And all of a sudden, the oil of gladness above thy fellows come, came on him. And the glory of the Lord uh, made him born again. Woo, he was born again in the heart of the earth. And you talk about an explosion. Wow. We watched the video of that. We're going to be running. We'll, be, we'll run for days. And go, I got, I got a, where's a track? I can't stop. Amen. It'll be that radical, uh, joyous to see the life of God come back into the Son of God. God Himself letting Himself be murdered for us. So we're exciting times ahead. So tonight I want to get into something. You've heard it before many times, but it's a platform for the gifts of the Spirit. What can we dwell on right now that literally makes some things automatic for us? In other words, uh, I don't have to beg for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. I don't have to yield. I mean, I don't have to just you know, go through a yearning and a pressure for it. We do covet earnestly the best gifts. We do that. And I look at it this way. That word covet means crave. Like I crave Diet Coke. I've taught on that before. I don't pray about getting Diet Coke. I, I get Diet Coke. I love it. If I go to a restaurant and I think the waitress is going to be slow, I'll order two Diet Cokes. No, I'm serious. Amen. <laughs> And, you know, uh, I'll go to the restaurant and I'll get a Diet Coke. Usually if I, ha I usually have a rental car everywhere. I'll go by the gas station and get me another Diet Coke on the way after the, after the restaurant on my way back to the hotel. And I got Diet Cokes in my hotel. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Give the devil a black eye. Amen. Now, the deal is, you're that way about coffee. Don't look at me so holy. You're that way about coffee. <laughs> Man, if you hadn't had your coffee, you're irritable. Come on. <laughs> And, you know, and the, and the Lord dealt with me about that. I, I don't pray about Diet Coke. I want it. I need it. I got to have it. You know what I'm saying? I remember one time I was preaching in the Ukraine. I was in this house. It was heated by the wood that we had cut and put in the fireplace. And the electricity kept going off. So electricity went off. So I got my Diet Cokes out. I barely could find them in the nation. I found a couple. I put them out on the patio so they could be nice and cold. I came out the next morning. They had frozen and exploded. I wept openly right there. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I thought, man, I can handle the Ukraine as long as I got Diet Coke. If I ain't got Diet Coke, we're in trouble. <laughs> you know, the whole thing about craving the gifts of the Spirit is uh, I, 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 don't, I don't pray about Diet Coke. I crave it. Got to have it. You can get that way about the Holy Ghost, that you're just as adamant about the Holy Ghost using you. Just as you were about craving something else. Amen. Come on, and He will. So that's good, but we want to get into something tonight that makes it automatic. Wouldn't it be cool to have something that we dwell on, that all, all of a sudden we start having revelation gifts in operation. All of a sudden we start having power gifts to where you're just trying to figure out how to calm it down, not speed it up. That's what's the early church. The early church wasn't going, oh, Lord, bless us. No, they were, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be wrought by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And then they begin to use the name as though they couldn't kill him. The name brought the same results as Jesus' physical body. I mean, think about that. That his name brought the same results. How cool is that? And they said, hey, don't preach anymore in that name. <laughs> and a couple chapters earlier, don't preach anymore in that name because they knew where the, the power was. So grab your Bibles and we'll turn to John 14 if you would go there with me. And we'll see how far we go. And we'll have a, a good time. We'll be blessed. I know this. He'll encourage us. He'll strengthen us. Every service we get in, 
even if it's a different subject than we may have planned or thought on, uh, He'll bless you. Amen. He just will. There's everything about Him is encouragement. There is no discouragement in God. Everything that He has brings you courage, not discourage. Every message you hear should take you to a place where you just feel like I can rip the devil's head off and spit right down, just whatever. I mean, just like, yeah, what? I mean, to where that's the best you got? I don't think so. So uh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous for a Christian to be under pressure. It's ridiculous for a child of God to be sick. It's inappropriate for a child of God to, to, to have need when, when he supplies all of our needs. It's inappropriate. Inappropriate to be, have disease. Especially when he paid for it. And if you look in, and don't go there now, but Numbers 21, they looked at a type of Calvary and poison was driven out of their body. They didn't look at Calvary. They looked at a photograph of Calvary. That'd be like me looking at a picture of Tiger Woods and all of a sudden I start playing golf like Tiger Woods. I mean, come on. That, that's a powerful picture right there. If it, if it could transform something in my flesh to make me play golf like Tiger Woods, that's a pretty radical picture. They looked at a photograph of Jesus and poison was driven out of their bodies. Didn't say they stood on the word. Didn't say they got the word in them fuller than ever before. Said they, just they looked at him. That's how powerful he is. See, we've gotten all caught up in how's my glance? How's my look? How full am I? It's not about you. It's about him. When you recognize who he is, you ain't got to wonder how to get the results. They're automatic. They didn't go, oh, finally, the poison's driven out of my body. They looked at him. Poison starts leaving their body. All right, so let's look at John, John 14. Let's pray for it. Father, we thank you for what you have for us tonight. Thank you for everyone that came. Thank you their households are blessed, their jobs are blessed, everything. They set their hand to a prosper. Father, we, we approach your word tonight. We thank you for this thought pattern to function with you, to cooperate with you, that we would be better receivers and operators. We thank you for it. Thank you for the distributions of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for rivers of living water flowing through them, Father. Not just to them, but through them. So help us as we see that the day approaching that Jesus, you're about to return. We thank you for making this the biggest blowout, the best season we've ever had in all of our lives. Radical, radical joy, radical, radical harvest. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said amen. Amen. You know, you don't have to go to it, but if you start out in John 14, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And that's kind of the same thing everybody wants now. They want to see God. And Jesus answered with some pretty interesting answers. He said in verse 10, well, look at verse 9. He said, have I been so long time with you? This is John 14, verse 9. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that's seen, he, he that seen uh, me, seen the Father. How sayest thou, then showest the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Now you need to pay attention. He just said something five times in two verses. When Jesus says something five times in two verses, you want to pay a little bit of attention there. He said, believe me, like this is going to be maybe hard for you to believe. So believe me that I'm in my Father and my Father's in me. So what you're seeing is an outshoot of my Father. In fact, he says something here that Brother Hagin said one time when I was in a meeting. It just blew my mind. He said, Brother Hagin said, Jesus never healed anybody while he walked on the earth. <laughs> See, it gets quiet when you say that. Jesus never healed anybody while he walked on the earth. He said, my Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Yeah. Now, did you read that? I'm, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't make that up. I didn't come up with that. Okay, well, let's, let's go back to that verse here, verse 10. But the Father that dwelleth in me, the latter part of verse 10, the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And in John 5, when he went up to the pool of Bethesda, he said, will you be made whole? The guy goes, I'm not quick enough. So he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. 
They got mad at him. They came and said, who told you to pick up your bed? They go, I don't know who the guy was. It was Jesus. It's a perfect example of the gifts of the Spirit. The pool of Bethesda means a house of mercy. Well, they, they finally found Jesus and said, hey, what are you doing? He said, he said, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Like, don't get mad at me. Right. He said, I in mine own self can do nothing. So <coughs> Jesus attributed everything to his father. And then he kicks it into another gear here, which that's hard for us to grab for a minute, but hang with me. <laughs> he says there in verse 11, believe me that I'm in the father, the father's in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. If you can't comprehend that God himself dwells in me, take a look at the works. You can see the manifestations of him as you see my life. So then he goes on and says, Hey, but verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I mean, that'd be crazy to just do the same thing he did. But he said, we do more, better. And we know this. We've heard this a thousand times. But he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And we know through uh, Kenneth Hagin and Dr. Dufresne where they got the Greek. And it says, if I don't have it, I'll create it. That's basically exactly what he said. He said, in other words, uh, you can demand in my name. And if I don't have it, I'll make it. I mean, I remember praying for a woman in Topeka, Kansas. The youth group was talking while I was preaching. I couldn't get them to stop talking. So this was, gosh, 30, 35 years ago. So back then I was a little crazier. I would jump on the chairs and run all over. I ran right back there to the youth group. Went all the way back to them. And, uh, and what, not because of them reverencing me, but reverencing the Word. I couldn't get them to stop talking. I came back there and was going to preach to them. And they still talked while I stood right in front of them. I thought, this is not working. So I said, okay, everybody under 21, stand up. They all stood up and they still talked while I had them standing up. So that didn't even work. And I even said, hey, the youth group's got to be paying more attention than, than everybody else. They're supposed to get this first. And they still talked while I had them standing up. So I had a word of knowledge that somebody had damage in their knuckles. I thought arthritis. I called it out. There's someone here, you got damage in your knuckles. This woman came down. She had one finger like this, and these fingers were severed off at her knuckles. I said, Lord, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking arthritis, <laughs> not no fingers. <coughs> well, you know what? I, 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 as I'm standing there, I'm not thinking about how long I've been in the ministry. I'm not thinking about what Bible school I went to. I'm thinking about a name that's been given unto me. Yes. That when I use his name, his name means miracle. Yes, it, does. Amen. it means, <laughs> wow, divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. A suspension of the accustomed order. So uh, it's intervention in the ordinary course of nature. Boom, her fingers grew out there right in front of everybody. The whole youth group got supernaturally quiet when they saw that lady get her fingers. <laughs> Why? Because they knew that lady. That lady's been coming to church all those years with no fingers, and now she's got fingers. Jesus says here, if I don't have it, I'll make it. So go a little further. We're getting closer to what I'm going to land on. He says in verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Isn't that something he would even say that? That's pretty interesting. He said, I'll pray the Father, He'll give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees Him not, neither knows Him, but you know Him for He dwells with you and shall be in you. So He tells you two things to dwell on to literally doing the works that we're supposed to do and that's the works of Jesus. Number one, authorization. Number two, presence. Okay? Authorization and presence. All right? There's something about authorization that opens the door for the gifts of the Spirit. There's something about presence that does. If He's never manifesting, I wonder if He's there. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. All right, start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. If He's not manifesting, I wonder if He's actually there. 
Because there, there'll be a manifestation. I remember I was preaching in San Antonio years ago in the middle of August. It was a hundred something degrees outside. I walked down to the grocery store to get me a Diet Coke. I was going to get me a 32 ounce with a styrofoam cup. And I'm walking there and the grass was all brown and burned, you know. And I saw this little bitty sprinkler as I was getting close to the gas station. It was going and I looked at the grass. It was lush, dark green where that water was. And the Lord said, notice that there's a manifestation of what's going on in their root system. The grass is perfectly green where that water's going, and it's, it's dyed and brown and, and dead where there's no water. In other words, if there's something in you, it'll be a, there'll be a manifestation of it. If there's not a manifestation of it, I wonder what's in you. Okay? So here Jesus goes, these are two easy things to dwell on, authorization and presence. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to get, kind of skip over some things. In Acts chapter 8, Philip went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The people gave heed unto him, both hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Well, he, it goes on, so there's a great joy in the city. How cool is that? People with palsies were healed. Great joy in the city. And, and then after that, he preached about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. So he gives you those two clues right there. Authorization and presence. Yes. Authorization is the name of Jesus and the kingdom of God is that presence. We don't talk about that a lot, but you know, Jesus took the disciples up on the mountain. He said, some of you won't taste death until you see the kingdom coming. He got up on that mountain and all of a sudden he began to radiate through his flesh. He began to come through his hair. He made his hair turn white like wool. You couldn't contain that glory. It's coming through his skin. Yeah. Woo, hallelujah. See, it knows no equal. It knows no weakness. It only knows life everlasting. Yes. And see, that's what, that's what that kingdom is. And also, when Peter was carried into the deal, after the Ananias and Sapphira had dropped dead, he walks in. They put the people on the edge of the street so his shadow can go by them and they'd be healed. That's that kingdom in operation. Amen. Paul was stoned and left for dead. They didn't pray for him. They got near him yes. and he was raised Amen. from the dead. That's what the Bible says. They, in other words, be careful who you're getting near because you can raise people up before you even pray for them. That's that kingdom in operation. Yes, you know, in David Ellis' church, I remember one time I was getting ready to move out there, went out to look for a house, put a deposit down on the house, and uh, called them a few, about a week later, and they had sold my house. Hence, the deposit wasn't a very good deposit. So, <laughs> while I was there looking for a house, I went to the church one night, and David was preaching, and uh, a man walked in as I came in. He said, hey, can I talk to you? This is in the lobby, because I was running late after looking for another house. And uh, the man goes, hey, my wife's in an insane asylum. Will you pray for her? I said, sure. I said, give me your jacket. He had a navy blazer. I said, I'm going to lay hands on your jacket, and the glory of God's going to go into your jacket. Acts 19.11 says, God brought special miracles through the hands of Paul. I said, I'm going to lay hands on your jacket. You put it on your wife. The day you put it on her, she'll come out of that asylum. He goes, really? I said, really? And I said, Father, thank you for it, and pray, prayed over it and everything. I came back to California again to look for another house because I couldn't find a house that time. So I went to another service there. I come walking in the back door, and this, this man walks in with this lady, and I honestly didn't recognize him because I was so in a hurry to try to find a house. He said, no, I want to introduce you to somebody. I said, yeah, what is it? He goes, I want to introduce you to my wife. I said, oh, wonderful. He goes, no, you don't remember, do you? He said, I took this jacket to the insane asylum. I put it on her, and that day they said, go get the other doctors. There's no reason for her to be in this hospital. Amen. I don't have to understand how it all works, but it's the glory of the Lord. So Jesus said there'd be some presence in you. This is how extreme it is, and I'm not getting to what I'm going to get to yet, because you guys are so easy to preach to. It takes me a while to get to my message. Dear Lord. 
this is how extreme it is. And I'll try to give you a little bit of an example to see how extreme it is. How many of you ever had a battery-operated little car, or a little remote control car, you know, where you get the trigger and the car goes, maybe the car's about that big, and it goes, nye, nye, nye. and the biggest problem you have is getting batteries big enough to make the thing work like it should, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so the batteries make it go. This is how extreme it is. What if you got maybe five to ten semis full of these battery packs, and you parked them at your house. They're out in front of your house, five or six semi-trucks full of batteries, and you run that wire to that little bitty car, and you grab that little gun thing, and that car just goes, phew, starts flying off. That would be kind of overkill, wouldn't it? Yeah. Wouldn't that be extreme when the batteries actually make it work, but you've got four trucks full of battery packs running that little bitty car, and you squeeze that trigger, and that thing goes, takes off. That's what you've got behind you. That's how excessive it is what you have on the inside of you. You got enough power to run 10 cities. Come on. Come on. You, we, we, we should be careful hugging our wives so we don't give her a perm. Come on. <laughs> Colleen, I'm sorry I gave you a perm tonight, but I can't help it. I got too much glory in me. Come on. Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So it's easy for him to manifest when he's there. Okay, so you got authorization, you got presence. So let's go look at one of them, which you could go for hours on that because I really like that. But let's go to 1 Thessalonians and let's look at this because we're building a platform. In a minute, we'll get to a story that will show you how the platform works. So go to 1 Thessalonians chapter. You pick out a chapter. We'll see if you're flowing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm just trying to find Thessalonians. It's New Testament, right? Amen. I say that, you know, the, the interpreters in Germany or France will go, no, it's in the New Testament. Like, I know where it is. A mess. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Because I'll do it just to mess with them a little bit. You know, like, where, where's Malachi? Where's Matthew? They'll go, you don't, you don't know where Malachi is? I go, yes, I know where it is. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Okay, here we go. All right, look at First Thessalonians. Look at chapter 1, verse 4. Mm. Knowing, brethren, beloved... Your election of God. Wow. Isn't it something when you get elected, you may not feel like you're qualified to serve, but when you get elected, you step into office, you just got to go for it. Knowing your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sakes. Look at verse 6. This is the ticker right here. And you became followers or mimickers of us and of the Lord, having received the word with much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. So he said they, they heard a message, and that message liberated them to where they thought, I can imitate Paul and I can imitate Christ. That's a pretty liberating message right there. Most messages I've heard say, well, you need to travel with Kenneth Hagin, you need to travel with Dr. Refrain, you need to get around that anointing, get it on you. But see, we've we got to realize you've got somebody traveling with you. It's good to travel with them, and that's wonderful. But you got somebody that said, I'll, he, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. And here they became, they became imitators after one message. It so told them they can do this that they said, man, I can act like Paul and I can act like Jesus. Wow. I mean, how many messages have you heard that you walked out going, I don't need to hear another message. I can do this right now. What was it? It was a message of simplistic authorization. And you've heard that a thousand times. Simplistic authorization. It liberated them to go, you know what? Uh, he gave me authority. I can do this. Yeah. And we've heard that a thousand times, and that's good, but I want to get somewhere with it. I mean, how many of you have driven on the Autobahn in Germany? You've been over there? You know, uh, I know pastors. Uh, is that the coolest thing there is on the planet? There's nothing cooler than no speed limit. I mean, I mean it, John and Michelle, my sister and brother-in-law, they were taking me one time from... 
um, Bonn, Germany over to Brussels, we're going 160 miles an hour, which would be like 200 and something kilometers, and all you can hear is wind noise. And there's a sticker on the dash saying you're limited to so many miles per hour because the tires aren't rated for faster. And you're, you're going so fast, and all of a sudden big BMWs and Porsches are blowing right past you, and you're, we were in an Audi uh, A7, and we're going 200 something kilometers, and these cars are going flying past us. I said, this is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> So, you know, uh, uh, they're accustomed to it to the point that they're used to it. I had a pastor in uh, uh, Frankfurt drive me from Frankfurt uh, down, uh, down to Zurich. He kept it pegged at Redline for three hours. I said, Arthur, have you thought about letting the motor rest for a little bit? I I'm, talk I'm, I'm talking buried in Redline. I'm like, oh, my God. I felt the engine's just going to blow up. I said, I said, do you have to keep it buried at Redline the whole way? He goes, uh, I said, don't you think you should take it off just a little bit? He goes, why would I do that? Like I was totally clueless. So the Germans know we're authorized to max it out, so they max it out. Been to the Porsche factory. I drove one of the Porsches there. And as they're driving the, the Porsches around the factory, they'll go in first gear. Red line and keep it in first gear. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to blow that motor up. They do, it, they do it just to test them to see how well they handle it. I'm like, Lord Jesus, bring it down to 2,000 RPM so this thing doesn't blow in half. <laughs> but they're so accustomed to it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean anything to them. Okay, sir, so he's talking about, can you imagine, uh, uh, you can see uh, someone from the, the States go over there. They get on the Autobahn, you know, they're, maybe they're in a 911, they're in a Porsche 911. It'll go, you know, 300 something kilometers and they're on the Autobahn in first gear. <laughs> Their hands are white knuckled. They're going, <laughs> cars are blowing past them and they think they're really doing good in that Porsche. And see, we're, we're, we're just like that Porsche. We've, we've been given all this horsepower. We're buzzing along in first gear. We're, we're accustomed to being in first gear rather than, than being just like we're supposed to be. You've been authorized to be just like Jesus. You've been authorized to be just like Him. Now watch. Look at this. Go over to Luke. Go to Luke. Luke, Luke. I'm getting somewhere. Hang with me. Hang with me. In just a minute, you'll see why I'm going this direction. Look at Luke chapter 9. I know that you know this. This is nothing new, but it'll, it'll, it'll give you a platform here. Look at Luke 9. And you, you've heard this many times, but look at it real quick. Luke 9, verse 1. And then he called the twelve disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And you know what happened here? Uh, guess how long it took them to, if I say it this way, get in that flow and start doing just what he authorized them to do? Instantaneous. Take them six months? No. Take them five years? No. We have this tendency that we'll step into this. He authorized them, and they instantly did the works that he did. So that one key opened a door for them to have the miraculous. One key, one key. You're authorized? Okay. So that's all it was to it. Okay, it's authorized. Let's do it. Well, you say, well, that's the 12. Well, that's kind of cool, but let's go a little further. Go to chapter 10. Look over at chapter 10. Look at verse 1. Chapter 10, verse 1 in Luke there. After these things, the Lord appointed another 70 also, sent them two by two before His face into every city and place wherever He would come. And guess what happened? He authorized the 70. How long did it take them to start doing what Jesus did? instantaneous. No one year, no five year, no ten year. He, they, right then they started du duplicating his ministry. Look, at, look back at Luke 9 again. Go back there for just a minute to verse 48. Or verse 49. Luke 9 verse 49. John answered said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name and we forbade him because he didn't follow with us. And Jesus said, forbid him not. He that's not against us is for us. This guy hadn't even been authorized but he had enough brains to see what worked. 
So he tapped into what you and I take for granted and started functioning just like Jesus when Jesus hadn't even authorized him. And here we've, been, we've had this authority for 2,000 years. So how long did it take them? How long did it take them? Instantaneous. So now hang with me. Hang with me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get why I'm, why I'm preaching on this. Just takes me a few minutes, but we'll get there. Kenneth Hagin, years ago, he had a pastor that was going to travel with him that had full-blown sugar diabetes. He's having to manually adjust his insulin level because his sugar level is too high in his blood. We know what that is. That's sugar diabetes. That means his pancreas is not functioning properly, okay? Kenneth Hagin developed his authority so much, he told that pastor, while you're near me on the road, he's going to be with him for two weeks, he said, while you're near me for two weeks, you're, 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 you won't register any sugar. And that pastor goes, what? He goes, no. Brother Hagin said, now while you're near me, you won't register any sugar. And that night he ate cakes and pies. What are you supposed to do that? Checks his insulin level the next morning. Said, beats anything I've ever seen. My sugar level is normal. He goes, my God, I wish I could do that. Brother Hagin said, it doesn't come by wishing. It comes by believing. That's right. Okay, there was a residue of two weeks after that pastor got home that he still didn't register any sugar for two solid weeks after being with Kenneth Hagin for two weeks. So Brother Hagin's authority not only set him free, it started making that guy's pancreas come alive. Okay, that, that's pretty radical. Eventually that pastor got a hold of, of knowing that Jesus paid for his healing, got healed of sugar diabetes. But just that Kenneth Hagin could say, while you're close to me, an organ in your body is going to come alive. Let that, let that sink in you for just a little bit. An organ in your body is going to come alive. We, while you're within the realm of my authority, it will make your organs function properly. Ooh, that's radical. Okay, hang with me. I was preaching in Newcastle, England years ago. And this is where the God Channel was back then. I was on the God Channel. They were interviewing me on the gifts of the Spirit. Wow, this is probably 30 years ago. And the guy interviewing me, I don't think he was saved. So he would ask me a question on the gifts of the Spirit. They have it all typed out. And he's like, okay, Brother Joe, tell me about the lady with no fingers. And I'm like... I'm like, I'm like she, he, he, goes, he goes, what? I mean, you know, so it was a hard interview because he had no idea what I was talking about. Did not have a clue, didn't have a, come here from Giddy Up, didn't know gifts of the Spirit. He thought they were in wrapping paper or something. Spiritual boxes? Uh, I mean, I'm like, oh my God. What a, so it was an extremely bizarre three to four hours, and the guy was taking breaks, and I think he was even doing drugs while he was taking breaks. I'm sure he'd go out and come back, and he's like, hey, hey, wouldn't see everybody. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, so I'm sitting here, i got a guy interviewing me that's on drugs while the interview's on. So it was just extremely difficult. <laughs> so this lady came up to me, elderly lady. She's probably, man, she's close to probably 90. She said, you know, Miss Wigglesworth got baptized in the Holy Ghost here in Newcastle. I said, amen, that's, I've heard that. I said, but I'm just so glad to be in this town where he was, you know. She told me a story about Brother Wigglesworth. You've heard the story many times. He, she said Brother Wigglesworth was at a funeral and the Holy Ghost came on him told him to go raise this woman up. In the funeral, told him to go raise the woman up. So Wigglesworth goes over there. In the funeral, walks in. Everybody, you know, the woman's in the casket. The family's all there. So he goes in, grabs the woman out of the casket. I mean, think of how radical that would be alone for the family. Here's a guy, goes in and picks the woman up out of her casket, walks over to the wall, throws her against the wall. I mean, right there, you'd be like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Throws her against the wall and he goes, walk in Jesus' name. Boom, she hits the floor. <laughs> Laying there on the floor. It didn't phase Wigglesworth. He picks her up the second time. I said, walk in Jesus' name. Boom. That's where I would have gone. I'd done an army crawl. I'd have gone like this. I'd have got low. 
I'd have got out of there, man. I'd have gone by the family. I'm an idiot. I'm, I would have gone by the family. I am so sorry. That, that's the stupidest thing I've ever done in all my life. I'm beyond sorry. I mean, think of what the family's thinking. Mom just got through against the wall twice. <coughs> and Wigglesworth's not even phased. Doesn't even phase him. He picks her up the third time and says, I said, walk in Jesus' name. Boom. She comes alive. She says, I'm in heaven talking to Jesus. And all of a sudden, I hear you screaming at me. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty radical. Okay. So, so what's, what's Wigglesworth's platform for operating like that? The name of Jesus, authority, righteousness, faith. What's, what's Kenneth Hagin known for? Faith authority, righteousness. See, we think we have to get into some deep flow of the outpouring of the tabernacle of lifetime praise and the river of this and that. And here, what made them operate like that is a, a simple uh, platform of authorization. That's pretty radical. What, look at their teachings. If you came out tonight and said, well, I'm going to teach on righteousness, everybody go, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to teach on faith. Okay, whatever. I mean, there'd be a boringness to it. But hang with me. Jesus operated in three kinds of Old Covenant faith. Old Covenant authority. Three kinds. Number one, Adam's authority. Number two, Abraham's authority. Remember Luke 13, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? Jesus said, because she's a daughter of Abraham, there's enough authority in Abraham's covenant to get her body healed. And then he operated in David's authority. Remember blind Bartimaeus? Blind Bartimaeus goes, have mercy on me, Lord. And the Bible said Jesus would have kept right on walking. He yelled even louder. And then, and then Jesus is walking up to him. Blind Bartimaeus is blind. He's, he's walking up to Jesus. And Jesus goes, what do you want me to do? Hello? Like, of course, what do you want me to do? He's blind. <laughs> it almost sounds like the Lord was like, like lost his mind for a minute. No, he's trying to find out if he knew what he was saying when he said, son of David. There was enough authority in David's covenant to give him his sight back. But you know what? Tonight, you're not operating in Adam's authority. You're not operating in David's authority. Come on. You're not operating in Abraham's authority. He said, before Abraham was, I am. You are in a whole different platform of where you're coming from. I'll, I'll give you just a little bit more before I get to it. I'm going to land on something here in a minute. I won't preach long. I won't preach long. <clears throat> You guys are unbelievably sweet. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania years ago. I had prayed for a family's baby that had Down syndrome. The baby got healed of Down syndrome. So cool. What a neat thing that chromosomes change. The doctor's like, you know, this doesn't change. The chromosomes change. So they're so freaked out that their baby's healed. And they had a 13-year-old son. And they said, hey, well, would you lay hands on our 13-year-old? I said, sure. There's nothing wrong with it. They said, just to bless him, you know. So the youth were back in their service, and I got up that night, and I preached about heaven. I've never preached about heaven my entire life, ever. So I preached about heaven that night. I thought, where is this coming from, you know? So they brought the youth in after the service, after I was done preaching, because we're going to lay hands on uh, their son. Brought him in, and I said, you know, what, what am I going to do? I'll pray the word, pray the things my mom taught me to pray. He's a disciple to all the Lord, grazes his peace and unstirred composure. He delights himself in you, Lord. You cause him to ride on the high places of the earth. And I went through the word I know and then began to prophesy over him walking with God all of his life. He falls out on the power. He lays there. We talked to the family for a minute and he's just out, man. You ever seen a golden retriever dream, a dog, you know, when they're dreaming there, our legs are moving and all that. You look down there and that little kid's moving all over the place. They said, what's wrong with us? I said, he's just out under the power of God. Just let him enjoy it. Well, it came time for us to leave the building. I mean, we got to leave. He's still laying there, you know, moving around. They said, what do we do? I said, carry him home, I guess. So they, they loaded him up, stuck him in the car. He's out, out cold. 
Got him from the car into the house. Midway through the middle of the night, he woke up, started screaming, I just went to heaven. I just went to heaven. They said, shut up. Go back to sleep. <laughs> it's like, it's four in the morning. You should, yeah, four in the morning, you know. They went in and started talking to him. He goes, no, no, I was in heaven tonight. And they said, well, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, I saw Grandpa. He said, Grandpa took his biscuits and gravy, and he scraped the gravy like that. And they said, that's how Grandpa ate his biscuits and gravy. He said, that was cool. But what was even cooler, Jesus came walking in with this golden stick. Scepter of righteousness is the scepter of my kingdom. You know what Jesus said to that 13-year-old? I don't have any authority in the earth. I gave it all to my church. That 13-year-old got up the next night and said, Jesus stood there. And he, he didn't go, I tell you, Jesus stood there and this is what he did. No, he didn't do that. We think that's what it has to be like. You know, I tell you, God's on the move in the last days. He stood, he stood up nervous. He goes, you know what? Jesus told me he didn't have any authority in the earth. He gave it all to his church. And see, we keep waiting for the Lord to do something. He's waiting for us to do something. All right, look at Matthew real quick. I want to go a couple more. A couple more, then we'll, we'll dismiss. Matthew, Matthew 28, 24, you pick out a 20, just whichever one you like. Matthew chapter 28. Won't it be fun when Jesus is teaching sometime we're in heaven, and he'll go, just pick out a verse and let's see what I'll do with it. We'll toss him a verse, and he'll get up and just quote, start right there, and boom, boom, boom. It'll be so cool. Wow. Matthew 28. These are verses you know real well, but they're good. Go to the very end of the chapter and look at verse 17. Matthew 28, verse 17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said, Spake unto them, All power, really in the Greek it's all authority. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he instantly delegates that to the early church. We, we've heard this a million times. But we, we, sometimes we don't get what he said in the Greek. He said, I'm giving, a right, I'm giving you a right to action, and I'm giving you freedom of action. In other words, you're, you're so authorized by me, I'm giving you a right to act on my stead. And they didn't go, what? What are you talking about? Because he'd already done it in Luke 9 and 10. They knew exactly what it was. They were so freaked out in Luke 10. They said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. He said, that's not a big deal. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. That's how quick I threw him out. It was just like this. Boom, he's out of heaven. He said, just be glad that your names are written in the last book of life. He said, I cast out devils with the finger of God. Hmm. Man, oh man. So here he said, I'm giving you a right to act. I'm giving you freedom of action. I like to look at it this way. I probably told you before. How many of you like Clint Eastwood? How many, you, how many of you like Brother Eastwood? Don't you like Brother Eastwood? God bless Brother Eastwood. When I was a kid, you know, my, mom, my mom would take me to meetings and my dad would take me to bars and take me to Clint Eastwood movies. I went to Clint Eastwood movies I should not have gone to. Uh, I went to Dirty Harry. I went to Magnum Force. I went to them all. I'm like, and I'd be sitting there going, Lord, I should not be in this movie. <laughs> but the, my favorite one's Dirty Harry. Remember the iconic scene where he has the 44 Magnum and the guy's laying on the ground? He goes, in all the confusion. You feel lucky, punk? I can't remember if I shot five times or six times. Go ahead, make my day. And man, that guy on the ground's laying there. He thinks he's going to shoot him. He's just like, oh my God. Well, see, it's not real. See, it's a script, it's a movie. But what they did was they hired Clint Eastwood because he's a professional. And the director goes, okay, what we want you to do, Clint, I'm going to have you stand right here. We're going to have this guy lay on the ground. He's going to look nervous like you're going to kill him. And what I want you to do is uh, take that gun, because it's probably not real. He's from California, probably didn't even like guns. So it's probably fake, probably a, a toy gun or something, you know what I mean? Hang with me, come on. So Clint Eastwood's got a fake gun, and he's got to all of a sudden act like he's going to shoot that guy. And man, he does it. The director goes, action. And Clint Eastwood goes, and all the confusion. I mean, it's powerful. And all the confusion, punk. 
Now, isn't it sad that someone can be that bold with a script that's not real and I have a holy script? Come on. Come on. How, how dare somebody be with something that's not real bolder than me? Come on. The problem is in the movie, uh, we, we think we're the guy on the ground and we're, we're the victim. You, no, you find out through the word you're not the victim. You get, a little, you get a little more word in you and all of a sudden you start thinking you're Clint Eastwood. And that's pretty radical when you get some word in you. But you know what? You're not the guy on the ground in the movie. You're not even Clint Eastwood. Guess you are in the movie. You're Jesus. You're his stand-in. He gave you the right to action. The problem is people don't act like they're supposed to act because they don't know their lines. Come on. Could you imagine Clint, Clint, can you imagine Clint Eastwood in all the confusion? Do you feel lucky, punk? Go ahead, make my day. That'd be like trying to pray for somebody in the name of Jesus. You are redeemed from the... No, when you know your lines, you go, come out of him right now. This is the way it is. So that's the platform for, for, the, for the Holy Ghost to move. And we don't teach it like that, but I'm just telling you, you can hear one message on that and start having operations of the Spirit and had 50 messages on the gifts of the Spirit. It's good to have tons of knowledge on the gifts. That's what I taught for 30 years. But all of a sudden, you kick into a different gear and look at the platforms because yeah. that's what Wigglesworth spoke on. That's what Br Brother Dufresne spoke on. That's what Brother Hagen spoke on. That platform makes it easy. Yeah. All right, now hang with me. I remember I was in, a, in Thunder Bay, Ontario years ago. Thunder Bay, eh? Was, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. It's your pastor. I've never done that in my entire life, ever. It's you. Lord, forgive you. Okay. So I'm in Thunder Bay, and... Uh, I wasn't full-time in the ministry. I was ushering in a church in Tulsa. I was going to go full-time in the ministry shortly after that. And my buddy Ross is making me go preach in this meeting. He, I wasn't going to be a preacher. Ross goes, okay, you're going to go preach. I did meetings with him and Patsy. So I'm like, okay, here we go. So he, he, he would be at Mac Hammond's. He'd go, and throw the mic at me like that. I'd go, boom, I start prophesying. I said, don't throw the mic at me in a service like that. Quit doing that. He kept doing it all the time. I said, next time I'm going to let it fly right past me. <laughs> So we go to this meeting in Thunder Bay. We got there. The plane landed. You know, this is years ago. Gosh, mid-80s. We got there and the plane landed. And the TV news media met us as we got off the plane. And I'm thinking, what in the world is this? They, they wanted to interview us. I said, man, don't interview me. Interview Ross. So Ross does this. He does Elvis Presley like this. I swear on my mother's grave. He goes like this. He goes, I tell you what. You bring the sick. You bring the lame. You bring the hawk. I was like, oh, my God. He, he goes, you bring the sick. You know that crazy look that Evangelist Kid? He goes, you bring the sick. You bring the lame. You bring the haunt. I dare you to come. God will heal you. And I just walked off. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm thinking, dear God, he's daring them to come to the meeting. And then the news, the, the guy doing the cameras is kind of going like this. Look, like, you, he's, like, he's like, are you hearing this? Because <laughs> like, when he said, just looking through the lens, I'm watching him. He's going like, God. So we, we got there, and uh, as terif terrifying as that was, we get there, and I preached Sunday morning, and it was so horrible. The a lady walked up to me and said, don't try to do this for a living. That's what she said. I said, well, you're about the fifth or seventh lady to tell me that. So I said, get in line behind everybody else. So it was a horrible service, just flat as a pancake, dead as a doornail, horrible. So Ross is going to preach that night. 
And uh, he, he wouldn't come in because the music was so bad. I'm standing there going, Ross, you got to come in here. You know how you come in from the back door? He goes, I can't go in there. The music's so bad, I can't come in. It was ching-a-ling-a-ding-a-ding. Your, your doctor's friend used to talk about that. I don't want to hear ching-a-ling-a-ding-a. I want to hear worship, you know what I'm saying? So Ross would not even come in. And I'm like, come on, man. It's time for you to preach. Come on. So I'm standing right there waiting for Ross to come in. All of a sudden, I look up and have discerning of spirits. Two huge angels standing about right here. Look down at me just like this. Look right down at me just like nine, ten feet tall, glowing in the glory of God. Just stared at me. I looked up at them like that, and I just stuck my head. I said, there's two angels. To my, I'm saying, like, whoa, 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 this is crazy. I looked up again. They're standing right there. This look was so purposeful. I looked over, and there was a whole section of little kids over on the side. They didn't have children's church that night. So the kids were in there, and there were angels all around the kids. And so I closed my eyes thinking this would go away, you know, because I, I don't know what to do. My mom taught me you don't, you don't ask for an angel to appear. I have a more sure word of prophecy. You know, but then when I was on the road with Dr. Frayn, I started having discerning spirits happen. It was just like automatic. Well, in that meeting, they're standing right there staring at me, and I'm kind of, hmm, 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 hmm. So, you know, I walk over. They were standing right here. I was right here on the front row. I walked over to my seat like that, I mean, like waiting for them to move or something or do something or give me some direction. They didn't say anything to me. Ross comes walking in. He goes, you got anything? I said, nope, 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 don't have anything, don't have anything. You got it. It's all over you. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, the whole time he's preaching, they're just standing there just staring at me like this, like, like, like I'm, you know, I'm nervous to look at them because they won't take their eye off of me. So Ross preached uh, wild, and then uh, at the end of the service, he didn't have anything. So while the, he was preaching, the Holy Spirit said, those angels have come to bring a woman a new heart. I thought, well, cool, Ross is going to call that out. How neat. So at the end of the meeting, Ross didn't call it out. He says, you got something? I said, well, I guess I do. I said, there's someone here. you got damage in your heart. You need a new heart. This lady got up, came walking down. As she's walking down, she looked like she had congestive heart failure. She looked like she was going to die before I could pray for her. You've seen people that look that ill. I mean, I thought, Lord, you better heal her, and you better heal her quick. She came down. I prayed for her. She fell out of the power. She jumped up vibrant, went back to her seat. I mean, vibrant, completely different. Went back to her seat. Ross gives the altar call. Her and her entire family came down and gave their life to the Lord. So she gets her heart healed and gets born again in the same service. All right, that was radical that Sunday night and because uh, those angels said they'd come to deliver a woman a new heart. So Monday, she goes back to the cardiologist there in Thunder Bay. She goes bebopping in. He goes, wow, what happened to you? She goes, I went to this crazy church service. And he goes, what? He, she goes, I'm healed. He goes, well, I'll be the judge whether you're healed or not. He did an EKG, did another EKG, did another EKG. She said, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> and he was so freaked out. He said, you have the heart of a 17-year-old. The doctor's so freaked out, he called the news media. He said, I got, a, I got, I got an, an actual miracle here. This woman is on a, a, a transplant list, and she has a heart of a 17-year-old. Well, we can't, that was on Wednesday. The news media came again. Come Friday night, you know how you have your four-year out there? You could not get in the church. There's people everywhere, people with candles, people with incense, people with crystals. I thought, what, what in the world? I mean, they brought me a purple amethyst. I mean, people, we, Ross and I could not get in. They would not let us in. I said, no, we're actually speaking. They're like, well, okay. Come to find out, the afternoon paper came out. Uh, uh, angels bring woman new heart. Christ redeemed her from the curse of the law. Ross preached a, a simple gospel message that night. All these people came forward and gave their life to the Lord. Radical. Okay, how, how did that happen? Ross set the tone for the meeting with his authority. I dare you to come. God will heal you. See, that set the tone. Your authority sets the tone. Why was Brother Hagin so successful? He set the tone. Why was Wigglesworth so successful? Set the tone. 
Oh, come on. So every day you're setting the tone. You can, you can set it however, however you want to set it. But you're setting the tone with your authority. That's why I like being around your pastors. Man, they, they're setting the tone. They're, they're radical tone setters. I like it, man. I watch the chart go, let's go. Come on, man. Uh, nothing like having your own uh, ballistic mentality to go all over the world. Come on. So there's something about that that, that gives God license to flow through you. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's set the tone wherever, wherever, however high we want to set it. I remember one of the times I was in Pittsburgh, and, I, and I was, I'm stopping with this. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to Brother Hagen on, you know, uh, just telling the preachers out in California that he would never have the Asian flu. You know, he told him, he said, you know, the, the football players weren't able to play because the Asian flu had come through there and the, it had spread so fast that no one could come to school and they had no football players. So he said to the preachers, I'll tell you right now, I'll never have the Asian flu. And they said, oh, I wouldn't say that for all the money in the world. Brother Hagin said, why? He said, the devil might hear you. He goes, he, and Brother Hagin said, that's just the dude I want to hear me. Don't you love Brother Hagin saying, dude? He goes, that's just the dude I want to hear me. And, uh, and, they want, and the pastors got real quiet. Oh, I wouldn't say that for all the money in the world. So I'm in that church in Pittsburgh, of course, me being crazy, trying to be like Brother Hagin. I just said, I, I got up in front of the whole church. I dare the devil to try to kill me in a car wreck. I dare him to make me blind. I dare him to kill my family. Boy, you talk about getting quiet. You, when you say, I dare him to do that, it gets supernaturally quiet. Now, I didn't say he could. I said, I dare him. Now, hang with me. If that makes you nervous, you've got more faith in the devil than you do God. Because my God's watching over his word to reform it in my life. Come on. I didn't say the devil could. I said, I dare him to. Well, you know, I'm trying to be crazy like Brother Hagin. I do that. At the end of the service, this woman walks up to me and she goes, she goes I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. And I thought, Ross, I said, Ross Roberts paid you money to pretend you're full of the devil. And I stood there and I said, what, what length will Ross go to? to he, I thought he sent money ahead. How did he tell her to act so good? Because, she, man, she was awesome. She's like, I thought, man, you're good. I just let her go. I said, well, just get your money's worth right there. She's blah, 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 blah. I'm like, How did, what did he say to get her to contort and all that, you know? All of a sudden, she started cursing like a sailor. I thought, wow, that's not Ross. This lady's possessed of the devil. <laughs> and I've let her just go on and on and on about what the devil's going to do. I, I jumped up like, my God, that's the that's devil. I grabbed her shirt and I said, come out of her. She fell over on the ground, flopped like a catfish out of water. How dare somebody filled with Satan be bolder than somebody filled with God? Come on. She didn't even know me and was bold enough to walk up to me and start telling me what the devil's going to do to me. Come on. You've got something on the inside of you that if, that if Lucifer himself appeared to you, you go, nah, 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 nah. I mean, think about Lester Sumrall. The bed moved. He goes, put it back. Wigglesworth wakes up. There's the devil in the corner of the room. He goes, oh, it's just you and goes back to sleep. What's happened to the believer in this year? What's happened to the believer last year? Who are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Or are you in Wimpyville? Come on. <coughs> so this is the platform. I'll play my soft violin now. Get the same word that you got in you years ago. Decree it and make proclamation. Set the tone. You know what? I'll yield to the Lord more this year than I've ever yielded to the Lord. I have more manifestations of the Holy Ghost than I ever dreamed of because the Lord loves people so much. You work with people that they have no idea what you carry. But you watch. There's a season coming where they're going to get an acquaintance with who you carry. It'll be a season of the Son of God, a foretaste of glory divine, a foretaste of the entrance of the King. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. 
that came from a song where they had glory. So let's set the tone for the rest of this year. It's the start, start of 2023, and I'm closing right now. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you have for promise of life. The Lord, the things that you, you, you have for them are so radical. So we set the tone in all of our families' lives. We pray over our children. We pray over our, our households. We thank you that our jobs are blessed. And Lord, we take authority. We pray over our nation, Canada. We thank you for blessing Canada, Lord. We thank you for, for blessing Ontario. And Lord, we thank you for the earth, that our leaders would, would, would be strengthened and blessed so that we'd live peaceable lives. And Lord, we, we kick into a whole other gear thanking you for what you will do right here before you come back. So we position ourselves spiritually to have a heightened awareness of the presence of God. Mm. An awareness of your mercy. An awareness of your love. An awareness of your kindness. So there'd be a manifestation of your love through all of us. We thank you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Now what you do, we didn't do that long here. You on your way home to your house, you decree some things in your car what you want to see. I'm talking about decree it. Go, this is what I'll go. Don't go, I'm going to see this this year. Go, this is what I'll see this year. This is what I have right now. And just do that. Do it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And when you get home, have some joy. Have you a Diet Coke? And then start saying some more stuff. Amen. Amen. There's somebody here, you got damage between your, your hand and your elbow. You know, oftentimes people would think that's a carpal tunnel syndrome. It's not carpal tunnel, something else. You're being healed right now. This other thing is you got some kind of trouble with the bile in your liver. Have no idea what, what, the, what it is, but your liver's being healed right now. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank, someone's neck's being healed. You know, you think of uh, different things, but I'm not going to put any kind of band on it. You, your neck's being, you had damage in your neck. You're being restored. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Uh, this one's a little odd, but uh, uh, your temperature is messed up. Your endocrine system, whatever's going wrong with your thyroid, you get your temperatures off. Lord, thank you for restoring their temperature gauge. Amen, amen. This other one's a little different. Uh, the muscles in your eyes. The muscles in your eyes, like one of your eyes tries to go uh, where it's not supposed to go. You're healed right now in Jesus' name. And even in that same location, your, your uh, uh, liquid area for your eyes, restoration for that. Complete restoration. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that. This is kind of simple, but the bottoms of your feet. Some kind of damage in the bottom of your feet. Lord's healing the bottom of your feet. Praise God. Amen. That's cool. Thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. And this is uh, maybe common. I don't know. The bottom part of your lungs, the tip of the bottom of your lungs being restored. Both of them. The very bottom part of your lungs completely made whole. Don't know what that is. That's, it doesn't matter. You're, you're healed. Just take it. Amen. You know, when it's gifts of the Spirit like that, it just goes, that's, I'll take it. That's mine. It's not complicated, not hard. You don't even have to even use your faith. Just go, I'll take it. That's using your faith by saying, I'll take it. Amen. Just do it. Praise God. Amen. Someone's damaging your bone in your jaw, damaging your bone. Your bone's being restored. Wow. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for new bone, Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. You know, I see, I see polyps in your uh, colon. And uh, I don't even know if you know it, but your colon's healed right now. There are little, little growths in your colon. Your colon's being healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Devil, you're a liar. Pants on fire. Amen. Praise God. You know, this is how this works. And, and I am stopping. It's 845. You guys are so sweet. Remember, Shambach had that meeting where he had a tent meeting. He had tons of tent meetings. But a man had died in his meeting. And he didn't have time to pray for him. 
So he said, here, stick him behind the curtain. I'll come back when we're done, and I will pray for him. Well, Shambach forgot about it. They went to the hotel. He's laying in bed midway through the night, sits up and goes, oh, my God, we forgot to raise that guy from the dead. <laughs> Called his driver, said, we got to go back to the tent, gets back to the tent, raises the guy from the dead. So, see, he got acquainted to working with God. He got acquainted to working with God like I can just go back and raise him up. Man, I'd have been going, I'd been praying in tongues, and I'd been doing it in sign language too. I'd been going like this, I'd been, I'd been crossing all, I'd been doing everything, you know. Like what, you get back to the tent, so what are you about to do? Oh, we're about to raise somebody from the dead. What? No big deal, no big deal, no big deal, no big deal, no big deal. Get to where things are not a big deal to you. Because you're a carrier of God. A carrier of God. Carrier, a carrier of God, carrier of God. You carry God with you everywhere you go. Let's thank Him for a minute. Lord, we thank You for Your mercy and Your kindness. Asthma be gone from someone's lungs right now in Jesus' name. Somebody has a bladder infection, your bladder's being healed. Thank You for that, Lord. Thank You for restoring their bladder. Thank You for that, Lord. That's so kind of You. Thank You, thank You, thank You, thank You. Someone's clavicle, your collarbone. You got damage in your collarbone. Your collarbone's being healed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Someone, you, you know, I said you had damage from your wrist and your elbow. This is from your elbow to your shoulder. You got damage. It's being restored right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hmm. 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 Wow. So wonderful to be with you. Several services in a row. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we magnify you before we dismiss. We magnify you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We see you high and lifted up. You train filling the temple. We see you as God. Be magnified, Lord. Be magnified and glorified as God. Father, what you've given promise of life. Thank you for such a year of increase, such a year of explosions, a year of the perfect will of God for, for them. We thank you for it. Father, do, do unusual things for them. The very things that you spoke to me about, just unusual, different, radical, out of the box, fun, wild, crazy things in 2023. We thank you for making preparation for us. For we're ready for it, Lord, to accelerate, to accelerate, to accelerate what you've called us all to do. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Lord. We, we believe you, Lord. We believe you. We believe you, Father. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Praise the Lord. Praise... There's a woman here, you weren't able to have a baby. You're trying to have a baby. You'll be able to have a baby. Hallelujah. Mark it down in your book, 849. Mark it down in your book, you'll be able to have a baby. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's cool to come to church and get, get your body taken care of and, and get assignments. All, every service, whether it's coming of the Lord or whatever it is, there's assignments coming out. They're, they're almost like they're out in the air. And God's just going, assignments, assignments. Take them, take them, take them. Because he's got such a church world that really doesn't know what to do with them. But you have the equipment. So you're just grabbing assignments from heaven. Amen. Thank you guys for being so easy to preach to. You guys are so cool. It's hard to shut up. So I don't know how. I don't normally preach this long. I preach an hour. I never preach an hour, ever. I've done it like three times. So I blame your pastor once again. Amen. <laughs> I sure want to thank them for their uh, friendship. You guys are so fun, so wild. And for your boldness to do the will of God. I believe this year is going to be a fun, fun, fun year for you. Odd, funny, crazy, whatever, you, whatever that is. I can't wait to hear about all of it. In all of your lives, it will be very fun. So thank you for coming tonight.
Amen. Give, give, give Pastor Craig a big uh, hand as he comes. Thank you, Pastor Craig. Appreciate you coming. Nice of you to come tonight. Yeah, I'm going to bless you, brother. Love you, too. Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's going to be an awesome year. You know, the Lord, uh, I'll talk more about it next Sunday. Next Sunday is a very important Sunday, so don't, don't miss. If you can't come, watch, because there's going to be important things shared next Sunday. One of the things the Lord's been dealing with me about is he said, he said, I just want you to focus on your prayer life and feeding the sheep and loving the sheep. He said, because I'm dropping, it's funny you said that word because it's the same word to me. He said, I'm dropping assignments all over your congregation. And he said, now what he was referring to is he said, they're going to be out and about not even thinking about it. And I'm just going to come on them and they're going to know exactly what to say to that person exactly how to pray for that person. They're going to have words of knowledge. The, the power of God assignments. And, and he said, and it, they're going to find it so easy to get people saved. And he said, I don't want you worrying about the church growth. They're just going to, people just going to have assignments in the week and just bring people. And you're just going to start to see the altar start to fill up more and more every altar call. And people, you know, not everybody wants to come up in the traditional way, but, you know, on that Christmas, on that, wasn't Christmas, was it Christmas? On that Christmas service, you know, we didn't really have anybody respond because not everybody in moderns wants to come up. But we had people saved in that service that prayed that prayer and came up afterward and said, I was... I didn't want to come up to the front and have everybody see me, but I prayed that prayer. We had a number of people get saved in that service. So just because you don't always see them because they don't always want to come up publicly, that doesn't mean God's not working. I'm telling you, there's assignments on you this week. Just be open to God. Just remember you've got that authorization. And you've got God's presence with you. And you can change lives this week. You can invite people and they can come and become disciples, not just converts. Praise God. I, want to, I just want to share one because <laughs> I read this in one of the Wigglesworth books years ago. I, I don't know if you've heard this one, brother, but this, this one, I mean, that one is pretty phenomenal, but this one freaks even, this one's even wilder. So he, he was invited to Deacon Butterfield. That's what the guy's name was, Butterfield. Deacon Butterfield's funeral. All, it's in an, I, can, I don't know what kind of church, Anglican or what, religious, and all the deacons are sitting up like 10 of them are sitting up on the platform. And so they bring the casket, the casket's there in front, like by the altar. And, and, and Wigglesworth walks in, he's on the platform, and he comes down the steps. I mean, that's the gift of faith. I mean, what else could it be? It's, it's not normal behavior. He pulled Butterworth out of the casket. And, he said, and the book said, uh, like a lady fainted and passed out and hit the floor when he did that. And they was like, <gasps> like all over the room. And he put, and that rigor mortis had set in. So Brother Butterfield is as stiff as a board. He put him on his shoulder like a cord of wood. This is all recorded in the book. He put him on his shoulder, walked back up the stairs. People are gasping. Ladies are, are crying. And he was a deacon, so his seat was empty. He went to his seat. This is a true story. He went to his seat and he took him and he mashed him into his seat and you could hear popping of the bone, whatever it was, because he's rigor mortis and he's forcing him to get his, and forcing his knees down and forcing his back and you could hear pop, pop, click, crack, pop while he forces him into the seat. People are, oh my God. And he just, he just, he, so Butter Butterfield is sitting there with his eyes closed, forced into the seat dead. And he walks to the pulpit and he just says, Brother Butterfield has a testimony for us. And he points at him. And when he points at him, the power of God came out of his finger and shot through Brother Butterfield. And he opened his eyes. <laughs> Stood up. 
I mean, I, I don't know. That is just walk. Brother, Brother Wigglesworth went back to his seat, said, come, come testify, brother. And he came and talked about how he went to heaven, seen Jesus. I mean, people got saved. I mean, where, where, where are we? It's great to have these stories. David Hogan's got a few modern day ones, but I'm telling you, we're supposed to have, we're supposed to have our own stories. You're supposed to have your own stories. Hallelujah. What, what authorization we've been given. Those gifts of the spirit can accomplish anything.